Stories Behind the White Coat. This is Grayscale. I'm Ben Davis. Today we welcome Joe Bruner, fellow faculty at Swedish First Health Family Medicine Residency, where he leads our OB fellowship, as well as works at the Downtown Family Medicine Clinic. Joe also happens to be the fearless leader of our residency band, Plan B. You can find us playing a variety of very small venues around Seattle. Very small venues. And as always, certain details are changed to protect the identity of our patients. I have thought about the same story to talk about since you invited me, and I still can't figure out why I want to talk about it. So this is something that happened in the clinic at Downtown Family Medicine, where I work now. I started working there in 1999. It's in Belltown. It's a clinic that takes care of the underserved. And I'm going to talk about a patient who came with me from the 45th Street Clinic, where I worked all through the 90s, which was also a safety net clinic for the underserved. And the story I want to talk about is about a mistake. And as I mentioned, I haven't figured out why I want to talk about it, except that it seems like kind of a glaring mistake, and I still think about it. It's uh, almost 20 years later, and I still think about it. The patient I'm talking about is a um, woman in her 40s who saw me for lots of different complaints, and I think really liked seeing me because I let her talk about all the different things that were happening for her. And she must have liked my well-biased, my sunny approach, my let's, let's just push through this. We'll see how things are. And so by the time I'm talking about, she's suffering from headaches. She's getting some Tylenol 3s every month from me. She's got four or five other complaints every visit, every month, but mostly it's the headaches. And so I send her to see uh, the neurologist up at the Swedish Headache Center. And the neurologist puts her on a new medicine. Uh, He puts her on Topamax, and it makes her headaches go away. And she doesn't need her Tylenol 3s anymore. And it's it's a great clinical response. And she comes back to see me with her headaches better, And still would like to have the Tylenol 3s just to have it be safe and feel okay. But she's pretty pleased about it. And she also loses some weight because the Tobamax makes her lose weight. And that's, that's fantastic. And then she sees me every month because we're doing Tylenol 3 prescriptions. And over the next three or four months, she begins to develop itching around her fingertips and peeling of the skin on her hands. And she starts to get a rash that she's very worried about, but that I usually can't see. And over the next three visits, she has more and more of this rash, which is sometimes some faint redness, often looks like normal skin to me. And by six months later, she tells me that she's allergic to vegetables, newsprint. She stopped reading the newspaper because... She's now allergic to newsprint, she says. She's kind of spinning off into worrying so much about the skin troubles, and we're trying all the eczema stuff that you would try. We're trying emollients and steroids, and they don't really help. And this goes on for a long time. This goes on for 10 or 12 months. 
And at one point, I'm chatting with Maureen Brown, my colleague at, at Downtown Family Medicine, and she just mentions the Topamax medicine and whether we should look up and see about the side effects. And I look in the, the side effects list in the PDR. This is back when we're still using a physician desk reference to look up <laughs> complications for patients. And it's like on the common reactions list is dermatitis and eczema from the medicine that this neurologist prescribed for my patient. And a light bulb goes off, of course. And so at our next visit, I say, I, I think some of the skin troubles might be from this headache medicine. And she doesn't like hearing this. And in fact, she dislikes hearing this enough that she doesn't come back to see me the next month when she needs her Tylenol 3. She's done with her Tylenol 3s, and she also wants to keep getting her Topamax from the neurologist. And she comes back to see me two months later and is still worried about the newsprint allergy and the skin issues, but agrees to trial stopping the Topamax. And she stops the Topamax, and within a month, all of her skin symptoms have resolved, and they've gone away. She doesn't have trouble with the headaches after that. They don't come back. She doesn't have trouble with the skin issues. And then she stops seeing me about two months later and moves on. I think her insurance changed. She was paying for the last six or eight visits that we had because at Downtown Family Medicine, we were not supposed to take private insurance. And she had pretty good private insurance. And so um, didn't come back to see me after that. Didn't. We never really resolved the 16 months of horrible skin troubles that she had from a medicine that I knew she was taking the whole time and that I didn't look up the complications of. And, and then she just she went and found a new doctor and I didn't see her again. And so it makes me think about this whole issue of trying to take care of the patient that's in front of us and do a really good job with that patient and when they go see a specialist or someone else, I'm not as responsible for them as I am right when they're in front of me and when I'm taking care of them. I think it's a little easier now with the electronic medical records that we have and with being able to see other people's uh, prescriptions and actions. But I, I missed kind of a knowable thing about her for a long time, for at least 12 visits, probably 16. And, and then we never got... We never got to resolve that because we fixed it. We stopped the medicine that was troubling her. I think she probably liked the medicine still and was, was not that happy that it ended. I was glad her headaches didn't come back. But it was this funny role problem of not being able to take care of the issue that she brought. And a specialist did take care of it. And then there was a consequence of what the specialist did and I missed it. I just, I really missed it. And then we never got to resolve it. And so here I am 20 years later talking about it. <laughs> Honestly, I was, when you said a mistake, there's many possibilities that went through my mind and I was waiting for an amputation <laughs> or, <laughs> or some kind of aplastic anemia or some, some kind of weird, um, weird thing that wasn't found or was caused. 
And this is actually a pretty benign thing. So, so honestly, it surprises me quite a bit that this is something that has resonated with you for so long. Honestly, it sounded like it was a pretty good outcome where her rash and her headaches resolved. Granted, it, it took a little bit longer than uh, it could have been. And I know you said you don't know why you picked it, but do you at least know or can postulate why it bothers you so much? Was it the number of visits it took? Was it because it was a medication side effect that you missed or something that felt like it was within your grasp that you could have got? I think the thing that's hard for me is that one of the things I like about being a doctor is that we figure things out. We work things out. And we're now transitioning to a time where we're making teams work better and, and promoting healthcare through sort of larger systems. But 20 years ago, it was really you and the patient and trying to be as smart as you can. And so to find many visits after the fact that there's a knowable thing that the patient is suffering from. She's, she's literally reading the newspaper with the gloves on and trying to protect her face because she's fearful that she's allergic to newsprint. And it's from a medicine that she's taking, and I know she's taking it. It just feels, it feels stupid. Like, and, and, and that's this, to me, that feels like this error of, come on, I just didn't try hard enough, and it's a knowable thing. And so... I think that's why it bothers me. She was happy with the care she was getting. She liked having her headaches feel better. And the trouble was that after she had the eczema, she began to get a little crazy. And there were times in the visits when I would think, oh man, she's really run off the rails. Like she's so obsessed about this. The internet's just taking off and she's learning all about the things people are allergic to. to. And so probably I'm regretting how much I suffered through all those visits. And if I'd been able to figure it out 12 visits before, it just it would have helped her, but also it would have helped me not have that, that yawning feeling of, oh man, this patient's a little crazy and I'm not sure what to do right now. I'm not sure what to say. So that, there, there's an inadequacy, I think, that you know, happened in that time that's, that's hard. I get this feeling from when you talk about it that this was... A, a story that was driven from an era. It was an, you were mentioning that it was less of a team-based approach in medicine back when this happened and it was more just kind of on your shoulders or the specialist's shoulders. Now, I guess a, a, a two-parter is, do you feel like there's more diffusion of responsibility now? And if this were to happen to you in clinic this week, and for the next couple of months, would it bother you as much now as it did before? Those are good questions. The, um, I feel like now, even though, like everyone my age, I've resisted as hard as I can the computer era, the electronic medical record era, all of the, the whole epic change where Previously, I could ask people to do stuff, and now the physician has to do everything is what it feels like when I'm sort of dealing with the electronic medical record. The care is so much better now. I can see what the specialist has prescribed. I can, it'll even warn me about interactions. So a lot of this stuff 
is fixed now and it's better. I think that that and, and the team era that we're entering where we're trying to get people to work to the top of their license and work as well as they can is is making the, the primary care a lot better. The quality is a lot better. It's harder in the residency where we all work. I can't get people to come to meetings now because they're so pulled into their screens because the, our electronic medical record makes them do all this stuff for our patients that makes literally makes the care better. So I, I, th- I think it's a, it, the care is better that we're giving now. And I probably wouldn't make this mistake now. I probably would have seen it in the, in the first or second visit. You know, this is a time when we're writing in paper charts as short or as long as we want to. We look stuff up if we want to. We keep the problem list updated if we want to, but often we don't. It's pretty different. And so the care is better now. I, I think I still feel bad for this patient is the reason I'm talking about this because she suffered for a long time, probably needlessly. This is obviously something you've thought about a lot over the past 20 years or so. Does this change how you practice medicine now? Is this something that's in the back of your mind every time you're in clinic? You mean aside from just thinking I should ask Maureen about all of my patients? <laughs> As a quick aside, Maureen, a quick shout out to Maureen Brown. I don't know. Uh, if she'll ever listen to this, but Maureen is Joe's counterpart at DFM, and her nickname is Encyclopedia Brown for her vast knowledge of anything and everything medicine related. So <laughs> she's she's better than Google. That's right. Well, you know, the truth is, it underlines the notion that though it's important to listen to the patient and connect as we work our way through each visit, I also have this obligation to think about the larger picture. And one of the troubles I have, especially in the controlled substance era, where I see somebody every month, is after a while we have the same visit every month. And we have the same conversation, and it's nice, and the patient knows what they're going to get, and I know what I'm going to get after the eighth visit or the twelfth visit, and have a new thought or look something else up or change the dynamic is unusual. And that's, that's a liability because once all the healthcare maintenance is updated and once we've done as many evidence-based things as we can for the patient, doesn't really do us any good. And yet I find I, I still have the patients come back every month. And so, you know, it means thinking always about how to ad- move the ball forward, advance the, the healthcare progress. And also probably I have to learn not to get patients to come back so regularly and let the team take care of the patients and then try to, you know, bring the skills that we have, that I have to bear on the problems that, that the patient brings. Uh, it, it's challenging. I don't know. I, I think the easy thing is to have the same visit over and over again. That doesn't really help them. We're in a unique role as faculty at a residency program where we get to see residents over the course of three years become interns to, to seasoned clinicians. Do you have any advice if we, we had a, a young Joe in the residency who was an intern? We just had an intern class come in. So if we had a, a young Joe who made this mistake, what would your, your advice be to young Joe? If a young Joe or a young trainee can bring a mistake they're making in real time 
That's huge. That's like a huge gift. I'm pretty sure I told Maureen about this and nobody else for 20 years. So first thing is, <laughs> you know, if you can say it in real time while it's happening, that's, that's already 10 times better. And then what about creating the environment where we celebrate mistakes, we take a failure bow, we think to ourselves, oh man, I whiffed on this one, but hey, I don't know this. Let's celebrate that I don't know this and I'm going to look it up as opposed to I'm really smart, I'm successful, I can figure everything out. You know, so that to me is the energy to try to bring if somebody has a, a tough outcome where they feel like, oh, I missed this thing. It's like, well, thank goodness that you can talk about it. Let's make it better next time. Let's think about the systems. Let's not be hard on ourselves. We're all really hard on ourselves. Special thank you to Joe Bruner for sharing his story with us today in what is the last episode of season one of Grayscale. We're going to take a quick break during the summer, but we'll be back in the fall with many more episodes. For more content, make sure to check out our new podcast, The Break. Search term The Break Sports Medicine for wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, a big thank you to our patients who continue to enrich our lives through shared experiences. If you would like to share a story, feel free to email us at thegrayscalepodcast at gmail.com. down the wrong tube. I was, I was waiting for you to finish. I was like, I got a cough so bad. Oh, yeah.